down in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends But when I'm attacked I protect and defend Because my name is America Welcome everyone and what a treat we had this past week when the grassroots we the people finally got to see democracy in action. Don't let anybody fool you folks that what was going on in the house is exactly what our framers decided that this is the way our country should be run. You don't get a seat at the table if you don't talk. You don't get a seat at the table if you're not invited to the table. And for years and years, our legislators ignored we the people and just paid attention to they the donors. And this has to stop because the donors, believe it or not, folks, don't care about America. They don't care about you and me. They don't care about anything except money and power. That is all they are interested in. And Kevin McCarthy, I believe, actually was prompted, he even said by President Trump, to accept the working people and to listen to what the grassroots is talking about. And you're listening to Karen Schoen, and this is the prism of America's education. And we are brought to you live on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. And what a job the Alliance is doing. And we'll talk, But right now, I brought in, and I won't say old friend because I'm not going to date us, but oh. Lou Marin and I have been around since the beginning of the Tea Party time, and actually well before that, but it was the Tea Party time that brought cause to what we were doing, brought notification to the way we stand, and said we are not going anyplace. Well, the Tea Party kind of morphed into MAGA, which is now a movement which says America first. And the next time you hear a legislator trying to bash MAGA, ask them what MAGA means. They have no idea. And to think America should come first is absolutely horrific to them because all they care about is the world. Lou, thank you so much for joining me. Now, you are the executive vice president of the Republican National Assemblies. Now, that to me is a new group. So can you explain what this group is about and how you're different from some of the other Republican groups? Well, Karen, uh, happy new year to you and your listeners. Uh, a uh, pleasure to be here. Long time no here, no see, and uh, I've been working behind the scenes uh, as a grassroots expert, and uh, uh, just a pleasure to be on your show today. Uh, in regards to the uh, Florida Republican Assembly, believe it or not, they've been around since 1932, and uh, they've actually got uh, got their act together and become incorporated and stood up in 1935. So they've been around a long time. Uh, it's a... Uh, we're the uh, just one of the we're Florida, Florida, Florida Republican Assembly falls under the 
uh, chartered affiliate of the National Federal Republican Assembly, formerly known as the California Republican Assembly. This is Ronald Reagan's group that he leaned on a lot when he uh, got elected and re-elected. And basically, we're a Judeo-Christian organization, a grassroots Judeo-Christian organization. And here, God is in charge of our operation. We're not affiliated with the RPOF or the RNC. We're our own entity, home of Abraham Lincoln, Ronald Reagan, Frederick Douglass, and, of course, Donald J. Trump, Republicans. And we are definitely a, a mega group, Make America Great Again, uh, those who don't know. Uh, that really derived from Ronald Reagan back in his day. So, but uh, in uh, uh, President Trump put again on it, which is great. But anybody doesn't, I agree with you. Anybody doesn't agree uh, about making America great again? Uh, I like to show them the door at the airport. I'll play Ubaloo and take them to and get them out of our country because uh, this is the greatest country on earth. We're a Judeo-Christian organization. We put God first in our organization, uh, and our interest is truth. You know, that's what we believe in. Uh, we have a, uh, um, I tell people out there, uh, this organization, like I said, established in 1935 and it morphed into the National Federated Republican Assembly. We're in approximately almost 30 states right now. We have 38 chapters in California. We have seven here right now in, in uh, uh, Florida, and uh, we'll have 10 here by the end of the month and about 20 by the end of February. So we're going like crazy. We're the alternative to the RECs, the uh, Republican Executive Committee. Uh, we're the guardians of the uh, our God-given rights, the Bill of Rights. Uh, again, we're all about uh, recruiting uh, and training candidates who support what we call the four C's. We look for candidates that are Christian, constitutionist, conservative, and have the courage to put America first. Our, our pillars are pretty, we have three pillars. We believe in community development, community development, to reach out into the community to, uh, that's one thing the Republican Party is weak at, is reaching out to uh, having an outreach program to help out our veterans, our impoverished people, and our homeless. So we, we've uh, adopted a pantry and we're out helping our, vol our volunteers, are out helping out distributing food, as well as uh, Clean Up America. Uh, that's our first pillar. Second pillar we have is called legislation development, uh, where we uh, set up committees within our chapter to identify problems uh, that are having a negative impact on our society. Uh, as we identify, we analyze the problem as well as provide recommendations to solve these issues and and, and uh, make recommendations to our state legislators. And our last pillar, number three, is candidate development. Uh, like I just told you about the four C's, but here we try to make sure that we find, again, uh, candidates that support, that are Christian, support Christians, uh, conservative constitutions, and have the courage to stand up and do what's right for our great nation. Uh, and we are rhino hunters and no license required. So uh, <laughs> that's my favorite. And, so we make sure, you know, we, we go after people that do not support our constitution, or uphold uphold our oath of office, and uh, make sure they protect our inalienable rights. So your group, the assemblies, focuses mostly on the grassroots, whereas the RNC focuses on, 
I don't know, the Republicans, I guess. Uh, <laughs> they're trying to get the Republicans at all costs, but only their type of Republican, as we saw in the last election. They're not interested in MAGA candidates, only when it meets uh, their specification and only when they can twist the MAGA candidate around so that they will eventually wind up signing things like that disgusting omnibus bill that is looming over our heads. So yeah. your group focuses, from what I'm gathering, more on what the we the people can do, which Absolutely. is, I believe, what the fight was all about in uh, last week's election of Kevin McCarthy. Absolutely. And, and by the way, uh, Ronald Reagan always referred to us, uh, us as the conscience of the Republican Party. And we were they weren't real strong on the East Coast uh, until recently. And they, all of a sudden, we just blew up overnight, and we're really proud of what we've accomplished. We're also a super PAC. Uh, we've also, we have a huge army who gets behind what we call our assembly call to action alerts, where we build coalitions and we see something that, that we want to pass or stop. We uh, get on the phone and burn up the line. Uh, but uh, we're really proud of this organization. That, uh, but I like what attracted me to this. Uh, if you know, I was actually the vice chair of Orange County and I was going to run for uh, chair. And of course, the chairman made sure my paperwork got lost. so I could not run for office. And uh, and out of that uh, two week, uh, little I call vacation I was on, uh, this Florida Republican Assembly fell into my lap. I met a gentleman who's the president by the name of Peter Caracas, sat next to me at an event. And he said to me, you know, we've been watching you. And my first instinct was, who are you, IRS? He goes, no, with FRA. I said, you sound like IRS to me. You know, we're the Florida Republic Assembly. And I said, who in the heck are you guys? <laughs> I did not know who these folk people were. He said, well, go look at our platform and tell me, tell you, tell us what you think. And, you know, I just had a bad experience with the Rex. I said, no, no, I think it's time to take a break. And he kept hounding me for a couple of weeks. And I thought, let me go reach your platform. Let me tell you, Karen, I could not pick up the phone and dial the number fast enough to tell him I'm in. And I said, you know, this, this organization not only does it have a moral compass, but it puts God first, which I got really excited about. I thought, you know what? This is where I need to be at. This is a blessing in many uh, cases because it gave me an opportunity. And I could probably summarize it. It's like a tea party on steroids, but we're organized as heck. And uh, I'm really proud of uh, a lot of folks, our former tea party folks, and I just wish I would have known this back in our day because I didn't realize how strong these guys are. Getting the word out now is exactly what we need. Tell everybody where they can find you before we go any further, because I'm sure that there are people that want to get involved. Well, it's uh, easy to get to. It's a uh, Florida Republican Assembly, spell it all out, .org or .com. Uh, or you can go to FRAOC.org. OC stands in Orange County. Uh, by the way, Orange County, we're only two years old here in Orange County. Now am I the executive vice president for the state, but I'm also the president for Orange County chapter. We literally went from zero to 400 members overnight here in Orange County. Um, in, uh, part, in our training, I do we do candidate workshop training. And I'm proud to say, well, not only do, do we train them, but we, we had 31 people enrolled into our class uh, last cycle. 20 said, oh my God, this is a lot, of, a lot of stuff you have to do in order to run a campaign. I said, yeah, this is what you need to do if you want to be competitive. Out of the 31, 20, I'm sorry, out of the 31, 11 went forward and got in the races. Out of the 11, seven got out of the primary using our mythology, and four made it all the way through. We had three 
representatives and one school board got all the way through from start to finish by using our our, our mythology on, on how to run a campaign. Oh, that is wonderful. So anybody who is interested in looking at the 20, actually 23, because 23 are a lot of local uh, committees and a lot of local positions that have to be filled as well. And starting local, I believe, is where we should begin, because if you don't understand what's going on in your local community, how can you understand what's going on in your state? Um, I believe politics is all local and starts local and should be remain local. So what is your opinion on that one, Lou? Oh, absolutely. You uh, you start uh, to me a uh, uh, school board commissioner uh, and work your way up because uh, you get your own community, your own house cleaned up and you work your way up. It goes from top or from bottom up in order to make a difference. You have to get these uh, uh, run people in these races in order to make a difference uh, within your community. Because uh, if you don't, you really are kind of missing the boat. You know, a lot of people want to start at the top, you know, and, uh, whether it's run for congressman. And people don't realize when you run for Congress, you need a million dollars just to get out of the gate. We teach that right in class just to start. And uh, in the Senate, you need about five million just to get out of the gate. So it can be very expensive where in a local race, you know, you, you know, a couple thousand dollars to get you up and running. So I try to tell people in, in our workshop that I teach, not only do we give you the formula how many people you need to win your race, but I also I make them break sit down and break down a budget and show them how much they're going to spend on, on each of their constituents in order to get their name out there. And when they see the final number, even at a at a, uh, a commissioner race or school board, they, they scratch their head and go, whoa, that's a lot of money. So, yeah, it is. If you're going to get in this into the politics, you've got to be prepared to write a check yourself, but you also got to be prepared to ask for money. So but the local races is where we start and then we work our way up. But if you're going to make a difference, it's got to definitely be in your own backyard. And I also think that you, sh you it makes it easier for you to understand what you're up against when you learn about what is going on in your local community. Because don't think it's only going on in your community. If something is happening in your community, you can rest sure that it's happening to the rest of the people in the state as well. So learning what's happening in your local community makes it easier for you to carry policy throughout the state and again, then uh, hopefully throughout the federal government. So what do you think, Lou, was uh, what happened last week? Was that an asset or a liability? Oh, without a doubt, it was an asset in our uh on our side, because at the end of the day, uh, we had folks, uh, our grassroots folks, uh, that stood up for us. Uh, I think, uh, again, you saw really how a republic's supposed to work. People out there negotiating, you know, just to uh, fall in line without any type of feedback or any type of, uh, uh, listen, we all know Washington is broke. So there had to be some concessions if we're going to make any differences or change. we got to make sure that leadership is in check, too, because uh, we don't need another Pelosi type dictator up there, but uh, we need folks to go, okay, uh, you know, I always said that God give you two ears, two eyes, and one mouth, four of the five of four listening. And I'm just thankful finally McCarthy said, you know what, maybe I need to listen here if I'm going to win this year because uh, they actually made some great concessions. I, I, from my understanding, you see them all because after the 14, 15, I think I kind of lost track after 10. But uh, they, they have to listen to what the people want. And I think that's important. And I'm just really proud of that so-called 20. In my eyes, they're heroes because they spoke. They, they, they actually uh, were the voice of the people. 
Absolutely. And folks, don't listen to mainstream media. Or if you are listening to mainstream media, think opposite. Because what they are telling you is not what they mean when they say, oh, what went on in the house is horrible and Kevin McCarthy gave the store away and blah, 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 blah. Sorry, wrong answer. What he did was give the people a voice. And we have been screaming and screaming. But if you don't have a seat at the table, nobody's going to listen. President Trump opened the door and gave us the first seat. But then it was up to us to go back and make sure that the things that we need, the things that we want to make this country successful, to be a MAGA country, we had to fight for. And fortunately, we did have 20 people who stood strong and gave us that fight. Um, some of the things that they got, I'd like to discuss with you, Lou, if you don't mind. And one sure. of them was the Southern Border Security Plan. I hope everybody saw what President President O'Biden did on the southern border. What did they do? They cleaned it up, made a facade of a nice area so they could take pictures and you would see immigrants coming in to this country, quote, illegal immigrants are now being welcome. And his answer is, we'll let 30,000 illegals in. That's his answer to the immigration crisis that's going on on our border. What do you think about that one? Do we need a solid border plan, Lou? As we all know that no no country is a country without borders, okay? And I find it very uh, uh, interesting that uh, these, these politicians, uh, the Brandon in the White House, is out concerned about making uh, policy for other countries' borders to protect them but he's not doing his job here. And, and by the way, a lot of people don't realize this, that he's in violation of his, of his oath of office and the Constitution. Because one of his primary jobs is to protect the American people from an invasion or and, and or drugs that are flowing through this uh, border just uh, thousands of pounds a day and also human trafficking. I mean, to me, this guy is not uh, uh, pro-America. He's a, a, a Marxist, uh, wants to use what they call Cloud and Piven, uh, um, trying to overrun the uh, our system and bankrupt our country so they can go into a dictatorship. I think in my heart, that's what he's trying to do. So I'm very disappointed in his uh, uh, core policies that he's, uh, uh, or actually no policy, he has not implemented. And I find it very uh, um I'm very dismayed that he's making a dog and pony just going down to so-called visit the border finally after two years of being in office, you know. So basically, he's, he's dereliction of duty. And uh, to my understanding, Congress is going to definitely begin the paperwork for an impeachment, which I'm really excited about. Uh, and I just think right now uh, we have a, a president that's anti-American and uh, people don't realize the impact that uh, his lack of, of, uh, of dereliction of duty is having on killing people with his fentanyl coming through the the border, as well as human trafficking, which to me is just unconscionable. You're absolutely right. And, and uh, what is going on on the border needs immediate addressing. And I would like to see not only uh, Biden uh, impeached, but I'd like to see Mayorkas impeached as well, because somebody standing right in front of an open border saying it's the most secure border ever has to be the biggest liar in the world. So mm -hmm. don't believe your lying eyes, folks, because that's mm -hmm. what's happening. Um, also, 
my real excited hot button was the debt ceiling and why it is so important for us not to raise the debt ceiling. So do you have a comment on the debt ceiling, Lou? What, why is it important that we don't raise the debt ceiling? Why are we trying to keep things at 2022 levels? Well, first of all, you know, anytime you raise the debt ceiling, it's to me, you're just kicking the can down the road. Uh, those that know me, I am a Article 5 kind of guy. Uh, and a lot of some folks on our own party debate that. That's okay. But at the end of the day, uh, anytime you raise the debt ceiling, you're just passing that debt on to now to the great great grandchildren. Uh, you can't, they got to fix the problem. Uh, Congress has a spending problem, and we need to send them all to rehab or uh, to make us fire them, get business people, and they're like Donald J. Trump in there who understands business. Who understands you cannot be operating uh, at the level you're operating on because you're going to bankrupt this country. You know, keep borrowing and borrowing money and become a, 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 a servant to China because we're borrowing from them too. I mean, to me, it's just to me not. It's un-American. It's irresponsible, and they got to rein in that spending habit. And to me, I don't know. You know, to me, I was thinking, well, what are some of the things we can do maybe to throw at these folks in D.C. that maybe give them an incentive to want to. Uh, save money, and I thought it'd be kind of great to sit down and have these guys, uh, if they could, which I doubt they will, but say, you know what, let's look at how we can start consolidating uh, all these several departments that do the same thing and start saving money, and then because they found how to save money, maybe give them a percentage of that saving, you know, a half percent of the saving of a million dollars, you know, make it, give them an incentive program, but, but right now uh, we have a, a, a debt spending problem because, uh, again, if you and I run a business that way, uh, we, we'd be bankrupt in a week the way they operate. They just have no no experience on how to run a, a, a business, let alone a country. No, if I ran my business, my mortgage company, the way this business was run, we'd be out of, we would have been out of business before we even started. Yeah. You can't run a deficit forever and expect to be profitable. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. By the way, a lot of folks don't know this. You know, I was on the balanced budget amendment Article 5 campaign for three years, and I was kind of flabbergasted when we just, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but they digitized the Congressional Library and all everything that they've done in the past, and we've discovered there are 45 applications for a balanced budget amendment. You only need 34 to, to, make, to be in a convention, uh, narrow in scope for one subject, balanced budget amendment, and we had 34 for a right to life on file, too, so they can actually... Uh, uh, have passed an amendment for to white, you know, to stop abortion in the whole country. But again, in the way the process works, it has to be verified by the judicial branch, and then they say, okay, go have your, your convention of states. Member of the Constitution it says in there only uh, that the Congress can propose, and that's the key word, propose an amendment anytime they want to. But if you keep reading, it says so can the states. The founders were brilliant when they put that together, and uh, but unfortunately. Uh, we have what I would consider a, a constitutional crisis across the board when dealing with Congress and also on every level. Yes, we certainly do, because I think Congress has not read the Constitution. And I would have loved to have seen that as the first order of business. Read the Constitution into the congressional record. Wouldn't that be mm -hmm. amazing? It's really sad to realize how little our legislators know about our Constitution and how little they pay attention to it. So you this know, is... One of the you things know, we should be paying attention to. 
that, you know, on that note, when I used to go around and teach state legislators about their, their power, they look at me and say, Lou, you mean to tell me we have more power than Congress? I see you sure do. You gave it to them and you can take it away through the 10th Amendment and Article 5. They work hand in hand. So they looked at me like, I didn't know that. I said, yeah. So now you're smart and wise. You do your job. Yeah. Wouldn't it be amazing if we actually taught the Constitution in school? That would be really <laughs> nice. Amen. Maybe we learn to read. Um, I also was very pleased to see the uh, revitalization of a church type committee. And for those of you that don't know, Frank Church in 1975 uh, was head of a committee that specifically was to go to all of the agencies in the executive branch and check out corruption. And it seems as though we have the hopeful beginning of a committee doing that right now because our government has been weaponized against its people, and that is something that we have to stop. So what do you think about that committee? Would that work, Lou? Yeah, I think uh, that, that is another great, excuse me, great move. Um, churches really are the safety net to help out uh, the, the homeless and to help out the uh our veterans, you know, that are on the street. Uh, and I think a lot of times people don't give churches enough credit. People need to understand that that at government level, um, the churches need to be more involved. You know, uh, they try to threaten them through their, take away their tax code and stuff like that, which to me is unconscionable itself because they're afraid they're going to lose their tax uh, exemptions. But uh, churches need to be involved. They need to be more involved uh, and get educated too with the Constitution. They're, remember, they're shepherds of their sheep. Of their of their church, and they need to uh, help teach them true history. How that our our constitution, our founders was based off of the Dale Christian organ uh, principles, and they need to uh, walk accordingly to what the scriptures say. And a lot of people don't understand. A lot of these pastors that are out there, they're not following the true word. They're falling away from God. And, and I think it's important that uh, uh, churches do have a say, and then they and they're not they have to well, they feel threatened. So having a committee uh, representation, as you say so eloquently, having a place at the table, having a say on, on policies and that kind of stuff, I think that's a great, great move in the right direction. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And what I am also seeing is that they have requested 72 hours to actually read a bill that they are pushing upon the American people. Oh. It always amazed me how uh, people could sign on to something without reading it. And then I go back and I ask them, would you buy a house without inspecting it? Would you buy a car without taking it for a test drive? So how can you sign a bill that affects 350 million people without even reading it? That is a disgusting disgusting disgrace. And that just says to me that if they allowed the people to see it, the people would be against it. So they don't want anybody to see it. So 72 hours to read a bill, digest what's in it and make it a single issue bill. That to me is utmost important because we find as uh, the Senate has just passed that disgraceful omnibus bill, all the that's in there, all the things that are in there that put us on the hook for years and years and years without even knowing what's going to be going on 10 years from now. We need to address now, not what's going on 10 years from now. And these porculous, uh, disgusting things that we're throwing money at just to repay somebody's donor, 
that's absolutely wrong as well. So I think we have made tremendous strides. I also like the idea that uh, the uh, vacating the chair can be created by one person who does not believe in what the speaker is doing and saying that the speaker is not living up to what he signed on to and therefore calling the speaker to task. So having oversight over your head is actually a good thing. And that's what we, the people, are supposed to do. Is that not correct, Lou? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. To me, like you said, it is uncomfortable, irresponsible, uh, when they don't sit there and, and give their colleagues an opportunity to read some of this stuff. And uh, we've got to do away with the pork bills. And these pork bills is the reason why we have such a high deficit. Well, that's up to us, folks. And that's what a democracy is all about, a representative republic that relies on democratic policies in order to be able to run the government. And this is what we have in America. We do not have a direct democracy where the people vote. We vote for a representative who is supposed to debate in our behalf. And that's what we have to be looking for. Lou, tell everyone again where they can find you, because unfortunately, we're running out of time. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, for those that out there would like to set up a chapter in their county, uh, all, all we need is uh, 20 folks, 20 folks that, uh, that are Christian constitutions, conservatives that support uh, the MAGA movement and uh, we'll get 20 people and we'll come in and do a formal presentation. And you get more information at uh, Florida Republican assembly.com or .org. And that is what we need, folks. We need people to get the job done. Thank you so much, Lou, for everything that you're doing. And folks, get a hold of Lou, get involved, because this is going to be a very exciting political season as we see what's going on with our new uh, House of Representatives that actually represents we the people. Mm. Don't go away, folks. We will be right back. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. I will be right back. Out loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything.
Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back, everyone. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, There is a time change with our programming, and we will be on at 9 o'clock in the evening. Our station is growing and growing, and that is kudos to the uh, people who are running America Out Loud. They're doing an amazing job. So this show will be on 9 o'clock in the evening on Saturday and Sunday. So please make an adjustment and don't look for us at... Uh, 12 o'clock. And that, by the way, is nine o'clock Eastern time. So it is eight o'clock in central time. Before we go any further, there was one correction that I did want to make. Um, When Lou and I were talking in the last segment, we had a miscommunication. And when I mentioned the church committee, I was referencing the committee that was created by Frank Church in 1975. And that committee was designed to go after corruption in the federal government. And then that committee was shut down because there was so much corruption. But thank goodness our uh, wonderful 20 got this committee back again. So we can look forward to the committee investigating uh, the corruption that is going on in our federal government. And when we talk about corruption in our federal government, I have to point to the border because to me, Anybody right now that does not understand that what is going on on the border is being done on purpose to dilute America and to turn America into a third world country like the rest of the world. Nothing special, nothing good to see here, folks. Oh, that rusty old constitution. Who needs that? Uh, We don't have to follow it. We're going to leave our borders open. This past week, O'Biden and Lopez Obrador and Trudeau met, and they are forming a North American Union type of situation. And Lopez Obrador even thanked O'Biden for leaving the border open. This is a travesty, and it is focused on the liar Mayorkas, 
who insists that the border is secure. Well, when we talk about the border and immigration, my go-to person is Mike Cutler, and he has agreed to join us today so that we can have a complete understanding of what is actually going on. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. It is always a pleasure to have you and your explanations. I learned so much. So what do you think about this desire to impeach Mayorkas? Is it going to go anyplace? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, it's a good start. But look, let's face it. Everybody knew what they were getting with Mayorkas. In point of fact, I wrote an article December 20th, 2020, when uh, Biden said that he was going to uh, pick um, Mayorkas to be the head of Homeland Security. By the way, the way the DHS was configured by George W. Bush violated the Homeland Security Act. They were never supposed to fold immigration in with customs or other agencies. They weren't supposed to divide it in half between customs and border protection and ICE. This was done, uh, according to John Hostetler, the Republican chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee. Uh, I've testified for John many times. He's no longer in Congress, but we worked very well together collaboratively. What he said was that what Bush did not only violated the law, but also um, made the situation worse and made it impossible to secure the borders and force the laws to protect the American people in the wake of 9-11. So please understand, folks, both parties bear responsibility. I call them the Republicrats, okay? Uh, Good was, name. Well, like it, 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 it works, the Republicrats. Uh, and, and so under Bush, DHS became the Department of Homeland Surrender. Under Biden, It's not only the Department of Homeland Surrender, but it's also the Department of Hospitality Services. And I'll get into that in in a couple of minutes. But I want you to know that when I wrote that article, when we were told that Mayorkas was going to run DHS, he was a known quantity because under the Obama administration, and I guess that's why you were calling Biden O'Biden, because he certainly reminds me of Obama, but on steroids, okay, in many ways, um, feeble as he might be. He, uh, Mayorkas was the head of, of a DHS agency called Citizenship and Immigration Services that gets almost no attention. Now, you know, my career with the INS spans some 20 years. It began, I hate to admit it, back in 1971, which accounts for all my white hair and my growing bald spot that my wife calls my pink yarmulke because I'm a Jewish kid from Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, the, but, but the point of the matter is, Citizenship and Immigration Services, I was an adjudicator for a year, which is what they do at USCIS. They decide on whether or not to grant political asylum, changes in status for for visas, citizenship, green cards, all done by USCIS. I call them America's locksmith. So the people that oppose the border wall always had this glib little retort. Well, if you build a 20-foot wall, they'll come with a 20-foot, 5-foot ladder. How many times have we heard that nonsense? They don't need a 25-foot ladder. All they need is a green card. You can put it in your pocket and they wave you through and embrace you with open arms when you show up. Passport, better yet. So nobody talks about citizenship and immigration services. And Mayorkas headed that agency up. And when he was warned by the FBI and Homeland Security Investigations, which is a division of ICE, that a company with ties to Iranian terrorists, specifically Hezbollah, had applied for EB-5 treaty investor visas, and they said, you must deny the visas. Mayorkas said, go to hell, I'm approving them. There was an inspector general report that found serious malfeasance repeatedly 
because Mayorkas had ordered the adjudicators to approve almost anything that landed on their desk, even when the law didn't allow it or when it was found that fraud had been committed. Now, think about that. In fact, he recently stated that when aliens lie on applications for U.S. citizenship, the government will take no action. Now, if you think back, it was immigration fraud, and the 9-11 Commission verified this, and I provided testimony to the commission. They identified immigration fraud as the key method of entry and embedding the terrorists. In fact, the first time I testified before Congress was four years before 9-11, May 20th, 97, and the topic was immigration fraud and visa fraud because of the 93 terrorist attacks. So when Mayorkas was at Citizenship and Immigration Services, and then he was made number two at DHS by Obama, everybody knew that this guy was out of his mind. He was approving everything and demoting anybody who disagreed. Even when they said, look, this is what the law says. You're asking us to violate the law. He said, do it or I will fire you. Do it or I will demote you. Okay. When the Republicans pointed this out during his confirmation hearings, <clears throat> the Democrats said, we don't care. We don't uh -huh. care. And so, that I think that has been what's been going on regardless because right, they then, don't so care. My point, so my point is, to your question, should we impeach him? Absolutely. Maybe prosecute him. Okay. But he didn't do this in a vacuum. It was no one's surprise. Everybody on the radical left knew what they were getting in this rubber stamp buffoon. Okay. They knew that he was, uh, you know, accused of and found guilty of malfeasance. Why he was allowed to continue on after the Inspector General report is nothing less than a miracle. So do we need to get rid of him? Yesterday. But how many people has he put in key positions in the government who agree 101% with his crooked philosophies that undermine national security and public safety? Whatever administration comes in in 2024... Hopefully it won't be a Democrat. And by the way, full disclosure, I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. These aren't Democrats. They're lunatics. And by the way, folks, please don't call the lunatic left liberal. I am a liberal. Now, what is a liberal? A liberal celebrates the First Amendment. I was taught by my parents to respect everyone's opinion. I don't have to agree with it, but everyone has the right to state their opinion. And you've got the Democrats with cancel culture and shutting people down and acting like totalitarian uh, tyrants like fascists. So calling them liberal, number one, is an accolade they don't deserve. And number two, it confuses people who are true liberals who think that the Democrats are still the Democrats and they're not. They've morphed into something ugly and dangerous. And I think you're going to probably agree with me on that one, Karen. Oh, yes. And I, unfortunately, <clears throat> as you uh, reiterated before, it's not just the Democrat Party. No. Uh, this oh. this group, this uh, group of globalists who are only interested in controlling and every aspect of human production and distribution, they want control. It goes beyond that. It goes beyond. I'll tell you what I think is happening, Karen. China is our adversary. They have decided that by 2030, they're going to control the world. They're well on their way. They're building a nuclear fleet. They've controlled aspects of the South China Sea, which is a major thoroughfare for natural resources and commerce. And if they can weaken America, they become stronger. We're being weakened from within. One of the things that Trump did was through Betsy DeVos, the Secretary of Education, they found that over $6 billion, with a B, 
and there's probably a lot more, of undeclared money went from China, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and other countries that are not our friends to our universities so that they could control the curriculum, they could get their students in so they could learn how to be engineers and computer programmers and commit espionage against us. Uh, and then they could also get their own professors into these schools, and they used the schools as recruiting grounds to, um, again, further their cause, and their cause is the destruction of freedom and the imposition of a totalitarian government on a global scale, and China is moving full speed ahead, they think, decades in the, down the road, and our crooked politicians, forgive the redundancy, think long-range planning is the next election. And so if you look at what's happening, the focus on the southern border is insane. Now, I don't want anyone misunderstanding me. The southern border is super dangerous. There was an open hearing in 2018, I believe it was in April, <clears throat> in the House about how Hezbollah, which, of course, is an Iranian-backed terrorist group, and you associate them with the Middle East, well, they have thousands of their operatives throughout Latin America moving people and drugs into the United States, killing Americans at record levels, using the proceeds from drug trafficking and human trafficking to fund terrorism around the world. And by moving people into the United States, it also provides them with the opportunity to move sleeper agents into the United States. Meanwhile, you've got um, Biden basically pouring gasoline on the fire. I, I said that if Mayorkas was the head of the fire department, in point of fact, he was an arsonist. And then I saw the three stooges, Mo, Larry, and Curly, um, you know, the, the meeting you referenced, uh, basically ignoring national security, ignoring the fact that Mexico is in a state of freefall. The drug trade is taking over control of that corrupt government. And we don't hear a word in America. Think about public service announcements warning people about drugs. In fact, if anything, the Democrat Party is encouraging drug use by more and more people, even when we talk about dangerous drugs. In New York, there's posters hanging in the subways telling people how to use dangerous, illegal drugs, the mere possession of which is supposed to be a felony, telling people how to use those drugs safely. That Think is unbelievable. That, that is Think unbelievably disgusting well it goes beyond but so now here's the point there's all this angst oh my god we got to get the guns off the street the subway system has never been more dangerous and yet even if you have a carry permit they've declared the subways to be a gun-free zone except of course for the criminals but the city of new york is upset that people are jumping the turnstile they don't care that they jump the border, but the turnstile is a big deal. They've brought in armed guards to discourage people from jumping the turnstile. Why they aren't bringing in police officers who can make arrests, I don't know. So they've got armed guards, and they're spending millions. You have to wonder if that company that got the contract didn't give money to the Democrat Party, and the money goes round and round. Uh, we're told not to call illegal aliens entering the country illegal aliens or even use the word alien, which, by the way, under the law simply means any person who's not a citizen or national of the United States. No insult. It's not the N word, but it provides clarity. Now, the term of choice, what are we hearing? They're migrants. They're not migrants. If you look up migrant, migrant is anybody who travels from place to place seeking employment. There are American migrant farmers. In fact, that's who Cesar Chavez protected, and they make a movie showing him in favor of the illegals, when a point of fact he was 100% opposed to illegal alien farm workers because it was making it worse for the American migrant worker. My oldest son is an engineer. He's moved three or four times since he got his degree. He's doing super well, always moving within the United States. By definition, you could say my son is a migrant. 
So again, migrant ignores borders, ignores immigration, ignores all of that. So I have a new name. You tell me what you think, Karen. I think what we really need to do now is call them clients. They are clients for immigration law firms, and they are clients for the NGOs, these so-called non-government organizations that laughably, in Orwellian terms, call themselves non-profits. In point of fact, I wrote an article for Front Page magazine. I hope after the article, everybody will go to Front Page and check out my articles. But I wrote an article for Front Page magazine back when they were thinking of ending Title 42. And then, of course, that didn't happen. But this was in May. My article was called Title 42 and Chaos on the Border. And what I did was include links to a report by Judicial Watch that based its report on an Inspector General report. And what was amazing is that it turned out that they had connected the dots, and I'm going to bring up the title of this. It's going to shock you, or maybe it won't shock you, because nothing should shock us anymore. It it turned out, here we go. This is the headline from Judicial Watch dated May May 04, May 4, uh, 2022. Nonprofit gets no bid U.S. contract after hiring Biden official 17 million in unused hotels for migrants. So I'm just going to read one paragraph from the article because it tells you all you need to know. The group that received the lucrative no bid award endeavors had never provided, never before provided beds or all inclusive emergency family residential services when ICE hired it to do so. Auditors found the auditors were from Inspector General. Formerly known as Family Endeavors, a Texas-based nonprofit claims to passionately serve vulnerable people in crisis through its innovative personalized approach. Last year, a national news outlet reported that Endeavor won a colossal $530 million government contract. Remember, they're nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. Just months after it hired Biden administration official Andrew Lorenzen Strait as its senior director for migrant services and federal affairs. The contract is by far the largest ever awarded to the nonprofit, according to the article, and is potentially worth more than 12 times the group's most recently reported annual budget. Lorenzen Strait, a former ICE official who also advised the Biden-Harris transition team on the Department of Homeland Security policy and staffing matters, must have pulled some strings. Now, understand what we're talking about. In this omnibus massive funding bill that just went through, four billion dollars is allocated to addressing the crisis on the border but not one penny according to the statute but the the way the bill is worded may be used to secure the border it's all for providing services health care rooms food etc for the illegal aliens flowing across our borders so you have to wonder how many nonprofits that are connected to the politicians are going to be getting the $4 billion, so the money will then return, in part at least, as campaign contributions and so forth. This is a vast money laundering operation, according to the facts that are presented by both Judicial Watch and the Office of Inspector General. Then the idea that they got $17 million for beds that weren't even used, is that like a minor mistake? Oh, I thought I paid for lunch. Lunch? $17 million? Seriously? So what you're looking at is a massive funding mechanism that takes taxpayer dollars and funds it throughout the entire system. But it's not just the Mexican border. 
You know, the 9-11 Commission was crystal clear that mostly we have people coming in through international airports. You have people getting lawful status who shouldn't be getting lawful status. And all we're told is secure the border. We heard this in 2005 when they tried to push comprehensive immigration reform. Once we secure the Mexican border, then we can provide the people that are here illegally with lawful status and a path to citizenship. Absolutely incredible. What border security has to do with citizenship and immigration services is beyond me. Basically, this is extortion holding border security and hence national security hostage to a corrupt dangerous program to provide tens of millions of people who have no right to be here with an immediate path to citizenship. And we're told it's 11 million people that we're talking about. Well, in 2018, I think it was Princeton University, MIT, and some other schools, they estimated that there were at least double that number, maybe 23, 24 million illegal aliens in the country. And I think that was low. Now that Biden has led in, supposedly, we're hearing as much as 5 million, it might even be higher. God only knows. We have no clue. We're talking about, what, 30 million, 40 million? We have no clue. But let's say, for argument's sake, 25 million illegal aliens apply to get lawful status, because that's what the Republicans are now saying. We're willing to negotiate with the Democrats, but first we got to secure the border. The exact wording we heard from the Gang of Eight in 2005, 2006, right? Here we go again. 25 million illegal aliens, we don't know who they are, petition immediately to bring in four kids each from all over the world, including countries that sponsor terrorism. It's not just Latin America. You're talking about an immediate overnight influx of 100 million children who under the law immediately, the day they get here, have to be enrolled in school. The Congressional Budget Office did a report back in 2006 that said that it costs 20 to 40 percent more to educate kids who can't speak, read or write English. Now, I, I want to at this point make people aware of something else. We've been told that the school that the scores on, on the aptitude tests are dropping. You're an educator. You'll appreciate what I'm about to say. And everyone in the media, including the conservative programs, are saying, well, this is because of the masks and the lockdown and remote learning. I'm sure it didn't help. But did it ever occur to anybody that perhaps there are so many kids in the school system, even as we speak, who can't read English, are handed a test packet, they put a mark where the signature is supposed to go, and they hand it back uncompleted to the teacher. What would that kind of a test packet do to the overall averages of the scores of the aptitude tests that are now being reported upon. Why is no one even mentioning it? Because if you look even at the conservative stations, they are globalists. And when you heard Biden say, well, the Chamber of Commerce and the labor groups all agree. Really? The Chamber of Commerce was instrumental in getting Reagan to create the visa waiver program, which undermines national security. The Chamber of Commerce kept bragging about how our borders were not a layer of security, but an impediment to their wealth. I had an argument with a nitwit who testified next to me at a hearing before the House Judiciary Committee. And he said to me, Mr. Cutler, you've got to stop pushing for border security. I said, wait a minute. Then this was like three years after 9-11. I said, that's our first and last line of defense. He said, get over it. People die every day of the week. Well, I guess the Chamber of Commerce is happy to get money from the funeral industry. And you got to wonder how much money the funeral industry is giving to the politicians because they've never had more business than they have right now. And I said to this guy, I said, I lived through 9-11. He shrugged his shoulders. He said, tragic, but stuff happens. 
I said, you know, I have a prayer for you. He said, what's the prayer? We were speaking privately now. The hearing was in recess so the members could go vote. And I said to him, I have a prayer for you. He said, what's your prayer? I said, if there's a terrorist attack, I hope that those thugs don't hurt a hair on your head. He said, you're very kind, Mr. Cutler. I said, the hell I am. I want you to live through the attack so you can watch your family vaporize. You can inhale the fumes of their bodies as they burn. And he looked at me and said, do you want to step outside? I took off my jacket. He sat down and they didn't hear another word out of his mouth for the balance of that hearing, except for when he was answering questions. You have to understand that to the Chamber of Commerce, a borderless world would give the super wealthy even more wealth. I understand the guy who steals a container of milk and a loaf of bread at the local grocery store because he's desperate. And if I saw it happen, I'd have to buy him a bag of groceries. We're talking here about people who are worth billions. They fly around the world in airliners that make Air Force One look like a cattle car. And no matter what they have, it will never be enough. These are people who are the ultimate control freaks who don't give one whit about the dignity of human life or the desires of the majority of our species. They will do anything and everything to accumulate more wealth, more influence. It's almost like a contest in a monopoly game, but with real money and real people and real lives. So when you hear this nonsense, we're going to secure the Mexican border while ignoring the other means by which people enter the United States, while ignoring immigration fraud, while ignoring the findings of the 9-11 Commission. This is about the accumulation of massive amounts of wealth and power to the detriment of every human being on this planet. What do you, you think of that? I, I think that you are exactly right on. And this is going to take a much more conversation than we have time for right now. By the way, quick point, folks, please read my articles. Get as much. Yes, that's what I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Please tell everyone where they can sure. find you. In Lost and Found, Missing Persons. <laughs> missing Persons. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, my own personal website is michaelcutler.net, C-U-T-L-E-R. I write for Front Page Magazine, sponsored by the David Horowitz Freedom Center, frontpagemag.com. And I also do the Michael Cutler Hour on Blog Talk Radio, Friday night, 7 p.m. East Coast time. Uh, of late, Newsmax has been having me on more and more frequently. And kudos to them, because unlike any other network, they never pre-interview me except to ask if I want to talk about a particular topic. I can't tell you how many times when you're dealing with a so-called conservative network, they'll say, if you were on, what would you say? And when you tell them what you would say, they say, you know, Mr. Cutler, we're probably going in a different direction tonight. And it's so remarkable because they all use that phrase. I think it's stamped into the, the inside of their eyelids so they know what to say. <laughs> Newsmax doesn't do that. Please understand there's a lot more to immigration and the Mexican border. And the real key is interior enforcement. So what I want everyone to do after the program, reach out to your senators, reach out, reach out to your congressmen and tell them, we could hire as many border patrol agents as you want instead of internal revenue agents. It won't get the job done. We already have millions of people in the United States and we need to address them. After a storm, you have to clean up the mess. The Border Patrol mission ends at the border. Their job is interdiction, period, full stop. Unfortunately, our time is okay. up, and uh, I'd like you to come back because this is a conversation that we have to continue. People Absolutely. have to understand 
what a borderless country would mean for you, your family, and our country. We cannot continue this. We cannot continue funding organizations that have in their mind the only thing they want to do is destroy America. We cannot do that anymore. Folks, as Mike said, make sure that you call your senator, your congressman, and tell them it is time to close the border. Nothing else is that important. Folks, have a wonderful week. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Have a wonderful week, and I will see you again next week.